Welcome to episode two of Everything I Did Wrong as a Church Planter, a million-part series. My name is Logan Wolf, and I'm speaking to you from my office in Provo, Utah. My wife, Grayson, uh, and I moved here nearly 12 years ago as church planters. In fact, last night, I let Grayson listen to episode one uh, of this podcast, and just trying to get her feedback and input before I recorded today. And one of the first things she said to me was, you recorded that while you were still sick, didn't you? And so, and I did. So I I apologize for uh, my congestion in that last episode, but I'm feeling fine today. So hopefully there'll be no no issues with the audio. Uh, Over the last dozen years, my wife and I, as we have lived here, as we've served here, our ministry has taken uh, a number of different forms. Initially, we were a mobile church meeting in the conference center of a Best Western. Um, A few years after that, we became multi-site and uh, had campuses and staff in two different counties. And now we're a network of house churches across the state of Utah. My goal with this podcast is just to talk back through all of that in order to share with you what I would do differently if I were pursuing the same course of action, that same methodology, as well as what I would do differently if I was just starting from scratch knowing what I know now. Um, And my hope in doing that is that I can save you some of the missteps uh, that I've made, the many, many, many missteps, Um, the frustration and the heartache and the tears that I've gone through, as well as just your time and your energy and your money as you're laboring or as you're preparing to labor uh, in your city. In episode one, I introduced a mistake that I kept tripping over for years, and it was this foundational issue that I did not give enough time or consideration to before we ever moved to Utah, and that is I did not have a biblical ecclesiology. I didn't have a clear picture of what a church is. And what a church does, how is it supposed to function? And that's something I think you need to nail down before uh, you begin planting churches, right? You need to be convinced biblically of what a church is before you go and start a church. Uh, In this episode, I'm going to continue exploring that season before we arrived in Utah. And I want to share, I think, another foundational mistake that I made as we prepared to move. And so here it is. Um, The second mistake that I made as a church planter is I did not know how to make a disciple. I had never discipled anyone. And so I didn't know how to do that once we got here uh, in Utah. So let me preface the rest of everything I'm going to say by stating uh, that I believe and am convinced, convinced biblically that the Great Commission, Jesus' final command to his disciples, uh, is for us as individuals as much as it is for us as churches. And it's, it's not something solely given to the church so as to be a corporate responsibility rather than a personal one. Um, and in fact, if I could probably simplify simplify that even more and just say, I think it's every believer's responsibility to help other people follow Jesus. I think it's every believer's responsibility um, to make disciples. So um, working out from there, 
I don't think anyone needs some sort of special calling from God before they go make disciples. Like you don't need to be called of God in some supernatural, uh, unique way to go make disciples. We've already been commissioned by Jesus to do this. He says, go make disciples. So waiting on some personal calling uh, from God to do so, to be honest, I think is, I think that's just disobedience dressed up in spirituality. Uh, It sounds spiritual to say, well, if God tells me to do it, I'll go do it. He has, he's already told us, go make disciples. Now, when it comes to making disciples, I think a good definition of what that looks like, uh, we can find that in Matthew 28, 19. And you see in the first part, baptizing those who have professed faith in Jesus. So baptizing someone is part of making a disciple. And then two, showing them how to obey everything Jesus taught about how we're to live in this life. And so showing them what it looks like to follow Jesus in the day-to-day, in their own lives. Um, in fact, I, I know there's probably, we could probably, there's a lot we could get into with that. Um, I was actually just on another podcast of a pastor here in Utah, uh, Pastor Steve Pearson. He has a podcast called Shouts of Grace. And in episode 210, we just had a conversation about discipleship. And one of the things we hit there that I want to explore a little bit here is how discipleship requires you to be with other people. Um, there's a lot, I use the word in that, I use that word in the interview, withness. You have to be with other people, opening up your life to others and letting them observe you as you're navigating different seasons in your own life, different relationships, temptations and sins and questions and struggles and milestones and victories and letting them see uh, you up close and not at arm's length and not the polished, um, you know, manicured picture that we tend to portray or, or hang out, uh, hang up when, you know, we're together on a Sunday morning. So there's a, you have to be together with other people to see discipleship in a biblical sense play out. So that being said, I don't think discipleship is an eight or 10 or 12 week class. Um, I don't think that the word discipleship should ever really be past tense. Like you may have heard people say, I, I've been discipled. I mean, I guess you could say that about specific individuals who've come and gone out of your life, like they've poured into you for a season. And so, so-and-so, you know, uh, he was discipling me or he did disciple me at, at some point in my life. But as far as, you know, our spiritual formation and our continuing growth and maturity, I think discipleship is is this journey, this path that we walk. And, and we're walking this in community with other believers as well as with Jesus. And it's not this destination that we arrive at where we ever set, where we can ever say, okay, I'm, I'm a full disciple. I know everything I'm supposed to do always, uh, when it comes to my relationship with Jesus, as I walk in this, in this life. So now for me personally, I had never been the recipient of any real discipleship. Like no one, I can't point to anyone when I came to faith, um, in middle school, through high school, as I'm a young adult, as I'm going into college, I can't point to anyone who really walked with me in any of that. Um, I had never done, and in fact, I had not only had I've not had anyone do that for me. That's probably why I had never done that with anyone else prior to moving to Utah. And in fact, I had never done this until just a few years ago. Um, actually, opening up my life, making space for others where we can have the tough conversations and the encouragement and the accountability and the prayer and the friendship and all that, uh, man, this is, this is actually a more recent journey even 
even for me. Um, so I've not experienced that personally. I shared in episode one that my idea of church was much heavier on form rather than function. Uh, and in the church that I grew up in, uh, the denomination we, we were part of, the colleges I was trained at, that f- the form elevated a s- the singular spiritual gift of teaching. Like that form I discussed in the last episode, it elevates teaching and thus it elevates the, s- the act of preaching, right? So most everything in the church that I grew up in, the churches I was around, um, revolved around the Sunday morning preaching service. Now, obviously I'm not... I'm not I'm a problem with that. I'm not against preaching at all. In fact, I was just in Southern Utah this past weekend, uh, preaching a couple services for a church down in, in Cedar City. Um, I don't want to. I'm not saying any of this to pass judgment on anyone or any institution. I'm just merely providing some context. So the way I was trained, the way I grew up, uh, what I started when we moved to Utah as we kicked off our grand opening service and then began to meet every single week, it all revolved around this, this Sunday morning preaching service. So in my mind then, coming to Jesus and getting everything you need for your spiritual growth and development was all supposed to happen as you sat under the preaching of the Bible. And I don't know I don't know. Again, I don't want to pigeonhole anybody. I don't know anyone in our circles that may say it that bluntly or that succinctly um, would reduce it to that. But as a personally, as a teenager, as a young adult, that's how I understood it to happen. That everything I needed for my spiritual growth was connected to coming and sitting under preaching on Sunday morning. Um, So that's what I understood to be the priority. My focus um, then personally, as I'm preparing to come to Utah, was to get really good at preaching. And so I was preaching prior to going to Bible college. Um, in, in college, that was a big piece of my education, homiletics, preaching, putting together sermons and, and presenting them to a congregation. After college, I continued to consume books on preaching. I had lots of opportunities to practice and hone my skills um, from the stage, you know, in front of people, things going on with, as I led youth groups and some different ministries and activities and Bible studies, um, as well as preaching, you know, Sunday mornings and Sunday nights at our church and at other churches there in North Carolina. So lots of opportunities to practice. And what was so cool to me is I'm growing up and like, I'm pursuing this is, I mean, people were repenting of their sin and professing faith in Jesus. So praise God, people were, were getting saved as I'm putting together these sermons as I'm presenting them um, to to my church or the church I attended there in, in North Carolina. So I'm thinking when I get to Utah, I'll just, we'll get this, you know, we'll have our grand opening service and I'll preach and I'll just start preaching every week and people are going to get saved and they're going to keep coming back to hear me preach and they're going to grow and they're going to invite their friends to come hear me preach and their friends are going to get saved and 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 so on and so on and so on. Here is what I have come to believe since then. Um and I'll say this because that's exactly what I did. Like we started and I don't want to jump ahead and and this the overarching story, but we did our grand opening service, big preaching service, and then from then on, every week, preparing these these messages and preaching service every single Sunday, and and for years, no one got saved. So there was some struggle there that we'll we'll touch on down the road a little bit. But what I've come to believe since then 
is that sermons do not, preaching does not in and of itself make disciples. Sermons do not make disciples. Now, I heard someone illustrate this point in what I thought was a very funny way. Um, And I have repeated this illustration to a few people only to find about half of them found it as, as humorous or as funny as I did. Um, and you know, took, took the point, the other half got really offended. Uh, and at least one guy really tried to argue with me about it. So I'm going to share the illustration now, uh, cause it was significant to me and just know that I'm not, this is not at all trying to be offensive or anything of that nature. I just want to illustrate this point that, uh, that I'm, I'm, I'm making here. So preaching is like going into a nursery full of infants and hosing them all down with milk and then walking out and saying, you fed them all. <laughs> uh, I think that's just a funny picture. Uh, now, certainly, the Holy Spirit can take our words and the word, you know, the Bible proclaimed, and apply it as needed and as necessary to anyone in the room who's hearing it. I'm not negating that. I've seen that happen. Like I know that happens, but I think at best a sermon will speak or more often I say at best more often than not, let's say that way, will speak only very broadly to the human condition or very generally to groups within the audience, right? This is what this passage says to teenagers or how you can apply this to teenagers, or this is what it says to women, or this is what it says in, you know, this situation or this, this life phase or whatever, whatever. Again, very broadly, this is what it says to, to fathers. And this is how fathers might apply it. Now you're not going to be able to provide specific application to every father in the room or help every father problem solve the obstacles they're facing in their home at that given season in life. Those things, that's what happens when you're actually with those people. When you see each other between Sundays, when you see each other regularly, when you're talking on the phone or texting or having a cup of coffee, or you've opened up your house and they're in your house, or they've invited you into their house and you're having these conversations and you're actively listening and learning what's going on in their heart and their mind and their families. And, and you're being vulnerable and opening up about your experiences and your questions and your struggles. And that vulnerability is producing vulnerability in them and they're sharing. And it's, it's this checking up on each other and this prayer and this encouragement, this friendship beyond just, uh, we sit in the same section at church or we sit in the same class at church or something like that. Um, it's letting yourself be inconvenienced for the sake of someone else. Again, it's this, this withness. Dis- discipleship is this withness. Now, I had never done that again. I had never done that before coming to Utah. Um, you, know, you know what's crazy is no one ever asked me if I had. Like, I, I mean, I had stories of people coming to faith as I preached from the stage, but no one ever asked me if I was walking with someone else or if someone even was walking with me and in my relationship with Jesus. And I don't remember, again, this, like I said in the last episode, this is personal recollection. So if, if I'm misspeaking, forgive me, that's not intentional. But as I'm looking back, I don't remember, ever remember my pastor asking me, 
if I knew how to disciple someone and walk with someone as they're growing in their faith. I, I don't remember either of our sending agencies asking me that. I don't remember any of our donors or our supporters asking me if I had done the very thing I, I was supposed to be coming to Utah to do, right? Um, I was supposed to come. I wanted people to come to Jesus and grow in their faith. Like I would say, I want to disciple people, but I had actually never done that personally. And no one ever asked me. That's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So maybe you've heard the statement, uh, moving across the ocean won't make you a missionary or some very, I've heard it a couple different ways, but moving across the ocean doesn't make you a missionary. If you're not actively making disciples now, what you've been commissioned by Jesus already to do, if you're not already being obedient to that, you won't magically start doing so the moment you apply to be a church planter with some organization or some agency, or when you move into your new house and your new city, or when you hang that, you know, that sign out front for your first service or whatever, you're not instantly going to start making disciples if you've not already been doing it. Um, in fact, the way, the way that I did it, when we moved to Utah, we became so busy in preparing for our grand opening service. I mean, we were participating in every community event possible. Uh, we had booths at the farmer's market every Saturday. Uh, we had, we had booths at the, um, Chamber of Commerce events every month. We had every fair and festival. There's a 4th of July festival called the Freedom Festival. We had a big booth there, multi-day event, women's expo, um, even this like Utah Valley wood carving show. I mean, anything that would give us space, we showed up. And so we had we were so busy. And then we were taking stuff door to door and we were doing service uh, projects and volunteering and servant evangelism type stuff and all stuff we'll talk about in a future episode. And we got here and just hit the ground running. There was no time to pour into others or to have them get involved in our lives and us in theirs. Like we came here to reach people and then the service, that form, took all of our time and energy and we had no space for the people we said we wanted to come and share Jesus with. So let's stop here for a second. Cause again, I know discipleship, I'm, I'm scratching the surface of a very, a very broad, very deep topic. Um, this is a topic just like episode one, I think is going to kind of resurface as I continue talking back through things because it was such a, an obstacle for me. This was such a big mistake. I think in my experience, uh, in our ministry that it, it, it had far reaching consequences. So, uh, you'll hear more about this, but I do want to suggest some action items um, again. First, I think you honestly need to answer this question. Um, Are you making disciples now where you are? Are you making disciples now where you are? And again, as I'm suggesting action items, please, I'm not telling you what to do or what to believe. I'm just, I'm trying to give you some handles on, on the little bit of content I've presented here. So just take that as it is, just are you making disciples? I'm not asking you if you've taught a curriculum or if anyone has ever come to Jesus in response to your preaching. Like if you're, if you're teaching a class or if you're man, people getting saved every Sunday, you're standing up, praise God. Like I'm not, but are you actually walking with someone and are they seeing, are they seeing the real you as you're following Jesus? Are you helping them follow Jesus? Use that simple definition from Matthew 28, 19 that I opened with. Um, is that what's playing out in your life? Is that, is that what discipleship looks like in your life? Um, second, 
I suggest looking back at Acts 2 again, like I just talked about in the previous episode, to get a sense of what the early church was doing together. Healthy churches are made up of healthy disciples. Healthy churches are made up of healthy disciples. And what you may have identified as priorities for the church, if you walked through the exercise I suggested last time, those ought to be priorities for individual disciples, individual believers. Um, So a good question is, are those your priorities? And are you teaching and learning alongside others to do those things? Like, are you showing people how to live out those priorities? Are you showing people how to do that as you're doing it yourself? Is there even room? Is there even room in your schedule for others to learn those things from you? For you to show others to walk with them in those things? Is there even room in your schedule? And finally, maybe a third action item is I think it would be a. I think it's a. It's, this is a good place to suggest maybe to look at all the one another commands in the Bible. Uh, and this is something I've done it by myself. I've done it with our church. I've done it with our, my team. I think this is something you could do with a group of people or again, just by yourself, but go through the new Testament, the simple word search and look at all the one another commands, the times something is commanded, instructed, encouraged, and it's attached to that phrase one another. So it's not just an individual doing this. He's he or she is doing this with other people. And I think it gives you a very clear picture of what this withness I've been talking about should look like uh, as I'm together with other men and women. It's a, it's a really powerful study. So I, I hope you'll do uh, take some time to, to do that. I hope this helps you. Uh, if it has, please subscribe to the podcast. Uh, leave a rating for the podcast. I also would ask that you share it, um, pass it along to your church planting friends and colleagues, um, your team members, whether you guys are already on the field or you're just preparing to go. Uh, Again, my name is Logan Wolf, and this is Everything I Did Wrong as a Church Planter, a million-part series.